0: KDLA, Talk 1580. Happy to welcome in for our national hour, taking it global today, a veteran social and political activist. He was an independent uh, presidential candidate um, back in 1992. Served as the executive director of the National Rainbow Coalition in the 80s. And uh, is currently the president of the Institute of the Black World 21st Century a lecturer emeritus at uh, York College, City University of New York. And he's got articles and essays appearing, uh, among other places, at the IBW website, ibw21.org. Dr. Ron Daniels, good morning.
1: Good morning. I heard that theme song. I was getting ready to go ahead and open up the show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's uh... great
1: to be with you Dominique and always great to be on this great station. Incredible power and information, my dear friend, for many, many years to have a smiley launching this hugely necessary and essential uh, project Shout out to my IBW board member, Baba Keeley, who is associated with the station, as well as Dr. Molina Abdullah, Black Lives Matter. Got a whole bunch of peeps out there in L.A. And glad to be on with you today.
0: We sure do. And I should have mentioned in your intro that you're also a radio person yourself uh, with the show on WBAI in New York, which, of course, is part of you know a, a legacy of uh, activism on the airwaves for black folks.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we we have a new project that uh, Tavis is helping us with, Black World Media Network, kind of synergistic relationship there and, and uh, a lot of good stuff. And I'm also um, convener of the National African-American Reparations Commission.
0: Right, which we definitely want to get to that. Um, but while we're doing shout outs, I know that you've worked with my brother, uh, Raz Baraka, on a number of projects, including uh, in the city of Newark, where he resides Lord, as mayor earthly. you
1: got to be kidding me you know we work with that's our mayor i just talked to him had a conversation with him uh about ooh maybe a month ago because you know we focus on newark yeah he is black he is black arguably black america's most progressive mayor and i don't say that so we have been focused on focused on um newark in fact we convened in I think in twenty nineteen uh and Baba Keeley was a part of it, as was Damian Goodman. Uh it's no longer the, the subway coalition, it's a bigger, broader project now. Yeah, downtown uh, Crenshaw in
0: a, and the and yeah. the uh, Liberty Land Trust.
1: Yeah, right. We we convened a national emergency summit in um uh in Newark that uh, Mayor Raz J. Baraka um hosted and it was an incredible summit. In fact, we're going to be following up on that, uh, and so I just had a conversation about that. And then we had State of the Black World Conference number uh, number four in um, 2016 that was off the charts, uh, and we just finished State of the Black World Conference five in Baltimore. But we are talking about returning uh, to Newark. Uh, for the next State of the Black World Conference. So we just had that conversation. I was just listening to discussion around climate change and what and, and so forth. And one of the projects that we're asking the mayor to work with us on, and Baba Akili will be involved in it because he's also associated with, um, uh, 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 I think it's called corporate accountability, uh, is the whole issue of water as a human right, but also um climate change and environmental justice. We're gonna hold a global summit in the next twenty four months. And uh we want uh Mayor Raj J. Baraka as well as Mayor Chokwe Antar Lumumba to be a part of that process. So oh yeah, Raj, that's a uh, my mayor. I in fact on my show uh for a period of time, you know, the first I think the first Monday of every month we would have a report back from uh from Newark. And the mayor would come on and and just update us on what was happening. He does your show more
0: than mine. I have to, <laughs> I have to <laughs> bug my brother to do
1: my show. Yeah, to bug it. Yeah, but yeah, that's but good. Yeah. I'm glad.
0: Yeah, I've I've noted that partnership and uh, it's 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 good stuff. So um, let let's talk about reparations. You you know have been working on this issue for how long now?
1: Oh, I have well, most of my adult life. I mean, I was mentored by Queen Mother Moore. Uh, whom, of course, you would be familiar with, and your family, and all. And uh, she was my mentor. She, she said that uh, her job was to operate on concentrated brains and minds, and mine was one of them. Thank God. And as a graduate student, um, getting off, going off to the State University of New York uh, Graduate School of Public Affairs, um, um, I, I encountered her and didn't know anything about reparations, but that's. That's the end of that story, because she mentored me and said, so I've been working on reparations uh, forever. And, of course, John Conyers was my dearest, one of my dearest friends in Congress, uh, the Honorable Ronald V. Dellums being another close friend. Um, but but for many years, um, Congressman Conyers asked me to co-convene, or to host, really, and facilitate the H.R. forty sessions at the congressional black caucus and for at least 20 years I did that um and um but most recently of course in 2015 we formed the National African American Reparations Commission we work synergistically with the Caricom Reparations Commission um as well as now you know a broader global struggle uh in terms of reparations uh we just came out of a summit uh in Ghana last Summer and there's another summit about to be convened in the next 30 days, and of course one of the outstanding developments uh, was Evanston, Illinois, Ellis, Evanston, Illinois, which has actually been at the and the forefront of actually doing reparations. In fact, there's a study that was just released in the last oh the last 24 hours actually. Um, Touting uh, Evanston as a model as, as we had hoped it would be for other cities, we're on the brink of holding our third annual reparations, local reparations uh, symposium uh, in um, in Evanston coming up uh, December November 30th through December 2nd. Uh, but this report indicates that uh, across racial lines, uh, contrary to what people may have thought, it is being supported. Uh, oh, contrary to 70.
0: polling here in California, apparently, um, the people are supporting it.
1: Oh, yeah, no, they're supporting it in, in, in uh, across uh, racial lines. But, but does it really matter the if they the support
0: people. it? I mean, if it's an obligation, not, 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 if it's a debt, as Randall Robinson said, then who cares if they support it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't support paying back my student loans, although I did. Um, but if you owe it, you owe it.
1: Yeah, that's true, but the, but but it 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 just whatever, it's good to have that data out there yeah. that in fact, if more people know about it and see it in action, uh, it works. And then there was you know there was efforts to try to uh, really even uh, there were forces who were really trying to discredit it, and also even in the black community there were people who said, so oh, it's not really reparations; it's just too small, and yeah, it's small the fact that it's small does not mean it's not reparations we do that's why we need HR40 to get yeah. Well, we, the we, line.
0: we got a lot, a lot to unpack from what you've already said so let's start with the small part cuz a lot of people um you know especially the sort of younger end of the movement but people are saying well we should not do reparations on a small scale we shouldn't do cities we shouldn't do counties uh we should just hold the feds accountable because otherwise they'll say oh we already took care of that you know we already gave you your 10 G's or whatever it was and I think that's one of the reasons why people were critical of Evanston even though it's a huge huge um, step forward for the reparations movement the fact that it was limited to housing and uh, was limited to cannabis um, tax revenue and um, small amounts
1: yeah well but, you, but you're right. I mean, that's why we have a National African American Reparations Commission as an authoritative body to help guide and to be a, a frame of reference. I mean, why would we leave anything on the table? Uh, the fact of the matter is, what is happening with, with uh, in fact, and Evanston from a psychocultural perspective was huge because it says it can be done. And Robin Ru Simmons is to be commended for her work. We in NARC actually went out and worked with her. We certified um, uh Uh, Evanston as a replicable model, and and these local reparations initiatives are surging all over the country. So the question becomes why would we leave anything on the table? Every city that is culpable in some way, one way or another should fess up, acknowledge and repair. And that also applies, frankly, getting beyond municipalities to families, corporations, financial institutions. All of them owe us and they should, in fact, pay.
0: Cities, the counties, the day, states, um, private corporations.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: but but the and argument and is that undermines a federal case because they say, well, the state and city doesn't. have already taken care of it. Okay.
1: No, but it doesn't. But it can't because it's, there's not enough resources at the local state and local level. But what happens is, so this is complementary, not contradictory, actually. In fact, most of the cities are endorsing and helping to push for H.R. 40. In fact, last year we had a major press conference out in Evanston. Elected officials came together to uh, express their support. And we're on the brink. We're right on the door. We're knocking. We're this close to getting it done at the national level. The, 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 the question is the 40. matter is, yeah. Yeah, H.R. 40, but you see, because but what is developing is an infrastructure at the local level so that when H.R. 40 is passed and the recommendations are adopted, some of those resources will flow, and a lot of those resources will flow through structures that will have already been created because of the incredible organizing that's been done at the local level and at the state level. Uh, California, of course, of course, has its own task force. New York is on the brink; literally, we're waiting any minute now. The state, for the governor, yeah, because the city already has on one,
0: right? Yeah, and,
1: and, yeah, and, uh, to sign on as well as New Jersey and Maryland. So it's spreading. I mean, reparations is no longer a fringe issue. I'm a nationalist, pan-Africanist, and the the progressive mode uh, proudly say that. Uh, But for many, many years, it was the purview of just us. You know what I mean? It was on the fringes, so to speak, and I don't say that negatively. That's not the case anymore. It is a mainstream issue, which is being debated. So people are now all across the country, average, ordinary people are talking about can I get my check? Now, it's not just about a check, certainly, but I'm just saying yeah. that that conversation is right at the kitchen table in a way that would not have been a, the case 25 years ago.
0: Talking with uh, Dr. Ron Daniels, I want to talk about H.R. 40, 40 when we come forward. Some folks are saying uh, too little too late with that. It's a waste of time. Let's get to the law. want to talk about uh, the work that's being done and how we can unify or do we even need to unify the very many different organizations that are representing this particular issue at a time when it has moved into the mainstream. Talking with Rock, Dr. Ron Daniels and you, you're welcome to call 800-920-1580. We are Unapologetically Progressive. KBLA Talk 1580.
2: More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we The conversation continues right now, right now, right now, right now with now, Dominique DePrima on first things first, first things first.
0: And we're talking with Dr. Ron Daniels. Uh, he's a veteran activist uh, on many fronts. He's also the president of the Institute of the Black World 21st Century and uh, one of the conveners of the uh, National, um, let me get the name right, National Reparations, African-American Reparations um committee dr dr um daniels what do you say to people who say hr 40 which would authorize a study on a federal level kind of what california already did on a federal level of the viability of reparations and what reparations should look like um that thing's been you know kicking around for literally for decades never has it passed is it still necessary
1: Well, of course it's still necessary, and the reason why it's necessary is because um, for several reasons. Number one, we have a huge, not only a wealth gap in in black America, uh, we have huge disparities in any number of areas that are directly attributable to the Holocaust of enslavement. We call it the Miafa and all of its legacies, uh, which go... Hmm. whether it's the the Homestead Act, whether it's the GI Bill, all of these areas in which we were deliberately excluded as a people from benefiting. uh, We are due repair for all of these areas. And so it would be irresponsible on our part. That's what Queen Mother Moore certainly taught. I mean, if nothing else, it is about our dignity and self-respect. We but but, but you're talking up.
0: about the concept of reparation. I'm not saying is reparation still necessary. I'm saying is HR40 still necessary? Is well, then, a study yeah, but, still necessary? Yeah, but, Couldn't yeah, they duplicate what we've done in California, what they've done in Evanston and say, "Okay, let's yeah, but, move but forward. It, we know the harm has been done."
1: Yeah, but but again, you, you there's, there there it there, is a federal system. There are right. state and locals there, right? And the vast majority of the resources of these United States of America reside at the federal level. And, indeed, it was the federal government that was culpable, that was complicit in the crimes. So why would we let off let the federal government off the hook? And, by the way, it is not just a study. The bill that was now before the Congress of the United States because of the work of the National African American Reparations Commission and COBRA and Movement for Black Lives. We approached Congressman Condu, as we said, because initially 1989 and on, it was about convincing ourselves. We had to convince ourselves that reparations was warranted. National, I think we're still
0: library. in that process, if if we're being no, honest. No,
1: no, no, no. We, we've we made a great, great strides. Absolutely, we, we have. Absol- we, I mean, absolutely, we, we, we have. I, I,
0: I, too, have been talking about this since it's way out on the fringes uh, with Mr. Dick Gregory and all kinds of folks. And yeah, I know we we've made talking. great strides, but there's still a lot of us that think, you know, it's pie in the sky, never going to happen.
1: Uh, yeah, 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 but, I, you know, I, I'm one of those, if, you, if the glass half full or half empty, I think it's three-quarters full. Okay. And, and And let me just say that the bill that is before the Congress of the United States and that we want Biden to sign by executive order is a bill to study and develop reparations proposals. It is no longer just a study bill. And those proposals, then the big struggle. Even when we pass it, just as in California, the struggle will not be over because we then have to put our muscle behind ensuring that the funding that will be there, and it is there. Clearly, we are seeing it. Seeing this in terms of the 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 war in, in Ukraine, we're seeing it certainly instantly as it relates to the the crisis in the Middle East, the Arab-Israeli conflict. Where billions of dollars can instantly be produced in order to address whatever is seen to be necessary. So no, it it is, and we need trillions of dollars over time, and we'll take it on a, a down payment or installment plan, whatever is necessary. Trillions of dollars will be required in order to do this repair. But we and so that's where the fight will come: is that we will not accept anything less than the funding at all levels of these because now it's like everybody is like oh yeah we're we're ready to go and so forth but the, the, when the rubber hits the road it's going to be, yeah, will gonna be the funding a lot be right will the funding
0: which is what there. we're dealing with in california and and that's where it goes beyond just are, are we convincing ourselves because in california we we have had our task force they have had made recommendations and now all the talking points and the big one is i didn't have any slaves? Why should I, the taxpayer who didn't hold slaves, have to pay for reparations? What do you say to folks that say that?
1: Well, that's why, again, the education, in fact, that's why the insidious attack on uh, on on education of, of history uh, being done er- erroneously around critical race theory is a, a real uh, tragedy because uh, the fact of the matter is... Um, the enslavement process did not just benefit a limited group of people; it benefited to some degree almost everyone benefited from the holocaust of enslavement or if you just say look at the g i bill for example everyone
0: that wasn't you know, enslaved are, <laughs> of course I mean,
1: but yeah. People, yeah but you had people the g i if you look at the if you look at the if you look at the the, the homestead act there were there are people who just don't know. If they trace back, and more and more people, more and more white folks are coming forward, and I do have to give a shout-out to an organization based right there in L.A., the Fund for Reparations Now, that is allied with uh, <clears throat> the National African American Reparations Commission that is doing that work in the white community, educating them about how they benefited, because there are many, many people who benefited, but they just don't know it because they, they have not traced it back.
3: Yeah. But if, you look
1: at the, if you're looking at the slave trade, the triangular trade. In fact, you could argue that the Revolutionary War was fought about this whole issue of enslavement. Because, but you didn't have to be involved. You didn't have to be on the slave ship, you know. But if you were in New England, you weren't involved, but you were benefiting from the traffic because jobs were being generated. And it's the multiplier effect. It's the acceleration principle. And there's a, a an outstanding, a conscious um, Euro-American named Trina Brown. Who has a classic piece called Traces of the Trade? And she talks about how her family benefited. They were involved and in how all her family benefited, but all the people who worked for her family benefited. And more and more and more white Americans are coming forward to tell the story of how they benefited. Because, and if you look at the GI Bill, you know, uh, the FHA, people were able to get benefits that black people did not get. Even so though the US we paid government for them, was yeah. Involved. Even oh, absolutely
0: we so. Look, I want to go to these phones real quick. Fahima is calling you from Washington, D.C. Good morning, Fahima.
3: Baraghani and K-Pasa, Dominique, and greetings to you, Dr. Daniels. I want to preface my comments uh, by saying that I was the co-founder of the Howard University chapter of COPRA. And I was one of the organizers of the – well, not organizers, but I was promoting and helping to organize around the very first Institute of Black Role um, in Atlanta, Georgia, that came on the heels of the U.N. Conference, of, uh, UN Conference Against uh, Racism in Durban, South Africa. And I've raised this issue – just give me a moment – with Dr. Abdullah, and this is not a drill. I have a concern. And, and Dr. Daniels is right about the importance of HR40 on a federal level but I have a concern just give me a minute to lay this out. You got
0: Sheila exactly Cass- a minute.
3: <laughs> okay. All right. Sheila Jackson Lee who picked up the mantle from Ron, from uh, Congressman Conyers to continue with you know HR40 the Republicans in Texas uh, redrew the district so that her and Al Green would end up having to run against each other. So now she's running for mayor in Houston, Texas. And I know Corey uh, Bush and Barbara Lee have introduced uh, legislation, but I'm just really concerned that the ball may be dropped. And I know that Cam Howard is and others are pushing for an executive order. Uh, by Biden for HR 40. So, um, Dr. Daniels, if you'd be kind enough to respond to what I've just laid out and help me to allay my concern.
0: All right, we we only got 20 seconds here before news traffic and sports. I don't know if you want to start and then complete it on the other side, Dr. Daniels.
1: Well, first of all, it's great to hear hear from you again, my sister. I remember you well, but be be not concerned. We will answer your question. We are, we are on the brink, Sheila Jackson Lee whether she wins the mayoralty in um, Houston, Texas or not, uh, we're going to get H.R. 40 across the finish line as an executive order. We are all united in pushing Biden to sign and create the H.R. 40 commission by executive order. That's where we are. That's where we need to be.
0: News traffic and sports and then more details on that. It's uh, interesting this. We are on the brink. What does that mean? We'll get details when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.
2: The station you turn to when you had it up to gear with cultural incompetence. KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match.
0: In Cobra um, co-convener and the president of the Institute for of the Black World, Dr. Ron Daniels, joining us. Before news traffic and sports, Dr. Daniels, we were talking about HR 40 and Fahima called with her concerns that because uh, uh, Representative Lee is running for mayor that the ball will be dropped with H.R. 40. You said earlier that you feel that um, that President Biden is on the brink of signing an executive order to enact uh, basically the provisions of H.R. 40. And why do you feel that way? It seems like something the president would not do before an election, but um, maybe I'm wrong.
1: Love to be wrong about that. (laughs) Well, well, you know, you Biden has done really, frankly, a lot of incredible things that aren't talked about enough, or uh, should be talked about. I mean, he's the first. I mean, he he, from the very day one did an executive order uh, decreeing equity would be used to look at all policies in the federal government. That was. That was an important milestone. In addition, you know, I mean, he has actually put in his mouth and has said white supremacy is a threat uh, to uh, not only black Americans, is a threat to America. So he's been pretty bold on a number of things, except that there is the perennial concern that saying or adopting policies that uh, that benefit Uh, black people and people of color will somehow frighten and scare away white voters. And to some degree, that may be true. The problem with that formula is that we contend that for every white vote that you might lose, you're certainly not going to lose progressive votes, by the way. You're not losing progressive whites over reparations. They support it. You will gain many, many more black voters, particularly younger voters, who may not in fact be participating or who may need to see something specifically that they believe in, like uh, student loan uh, relief and or reparations as a way of moving forward. That is the battle that we're fighting with Biden at this point. We have piled up more co-sponsors on this bill than in in the history of of, of, of the bill. Back in the day with Congress, it was an educational bill. We never really worried about how many co-sponsors; just enough to keep it alive and to educate people to get them on board. Never got more than about 50 co-sponsors. This bill in the last Congress was up to 196. Let me say that again: 196 co-sponsors. And with yes votes, those are people who say, "Well, I, I won't and I won't co-sponsor, but if it hits the floor, I'll vote for it." We were one vote shy, and the votes were there. When I mean, we, we'd have gotten that vote to put it across the finish line. However, the point is that understanding the political realities, that we could have been scored a moral victory by getting it past the House of Representatives. Cory Booker was sponsoring it and the co-sponsoring it in the in the Senate, but we know that it would not have gotten past uh, the filibuster and cloture. Rules in 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 the Senate, so it would have been a it would have been a it would have been a moral victory. So therefore, we knew that ultimately. Therefore, given that that circumstance, that we had the press for uh... the executive order, and that's where we are now. And that is Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. In fact, I literally and, and and when I get off of this call within an hour, I will be on the phone with Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, reporting. There is a broad based coalition. The H.R. 40 strategy group that includes not only African-American organizations, but, you know, the American Civil Liberties Union, Center for American Progress, Human Rights Watch, a broad range of groups who have come together on the sort of the the uh, the, uh, the 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 unusual suspects who are on board with this to talk about how do we uh, finally get what could be an emancipation moment from uh, from uh, President uh, Biden. Uh, So, actually, language is being drafted. Uh, There seems to be some willingness. But we really, really, really have to push this over the finish line and persuade uh, Biden that this is not going to be costly. In fact, he needs every vote he can get, particularly out of the black community and black and brown communities, in order to overcome uh, the threat of fascism and 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 the person of Asian Orange, uh, or the Orange Man, a.k.a. Agent Orange, as I call him. So we're, we're in a good place. I'm optimistic. Uh, we have Reverend Robert Turner, the former pastor of the Vermon, historic Vernon AME Church in Tulsa, the last remaining structure um, from the Tulsa Massacre, who's now at the Empowerment Temple, having replaced Reverend Dr. Jamal Bryant. He's been walking to the White House every month. Once a month, forty miles, eighty some eighty thousand steps. Uh, he did it um, with the Congress at the Congressional Black Caucus. Came right up into the session. Mm, yep. He's going again. So, in a, so hopefully, we're, those we're looking... those
0: kinds of protests and, and uh, gestures create momentum and and you know actual. Well, we have the
1: momentum. We just have yeah. to put. We have to. We're yeah. asking everybody to just keep pushing Biden, elected officials, and everything to sign the executive order with the assurance. That in fact this will not be a deficit; it will definitely be an asset. Okay,
0: I I got a lot of questions that are not answered, so either we'll have to do a part two or we'll have to do a speed round. Um, but why do you say it's it, it's an emancipation moment? I mean, it's 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 a study. Like it's not a, even if we got HR forty tomorrow, we're not across the finish line with reparations, right?
1: Well, we're not across the finish line because we could then, we could be, be, there's first of all, there is a study. It's $20 million budget. They'll be moving all across the country to get people's right. opinions and ideas. That process, in and of itself, is important. True. But we then have to build the political movement to ensure that, in fact, the allocations will be behind it. And by the way, one of the things that should happen, therefore, unlike in California, What they did was the commission ended once the study ended. That should not have happened. This commission should have been alive to continue to press. Uh, in New York, similarly, they're now saying, "No, no, no, no. We're not. Once the study is over, we're going to keep the commissioner alive. The HR forty commission should live beyond." Yeah.
0: They the tried; study. it didn't work, but they tried to extend so it. So, yeah, so,
1: so, yeah. I remember, and unfortunately, Galvin Newsom um, vetoed it. I remember the struggle. We were very much involved in that. So, it, so what we're in, My point is, we're in a unprecedented place uh, with reparations surging everywhere. So we have to remain optimistic, vigilant, but strong and demanding that, you know, that black voters will, in fact, are crucial to the Democratic Party and are needed by the Democratic Party. And when I say emancipation in a moment, I'm saying this is something that would, in fact, uh, in, enhance Biden's legacy as a president of the United States, having been the one who had the audacity and courage one way or another, even if it were past the House of Representatives, he would have to, in the Congress, he'd have to sign it. Now he has, in his plate, is the capacity to himself do it by an executive order. That would be an, an, an incredible legacy for uh, uh, Joseph Biden to have done.
0: Do you think there's any chance that uh, Republicans would ever do this? I mean, given the fact now that you have some no. more right-leaning, um, you know, black folks who are on board with reparations.
1: No, I don't think so. I think uh, John Henry Clark said we are, we're facing, he said, white nationalism is the enemy of black nationalism. I'll just translate that to say that white nationalism is the enemy of black people. And what we see in the Republican Party is, is so frightening because if you look at the polls and, and, and you see the, the race between Biden and, uh, and the orange man, it's like Biden's up two points or down two points and whatever. Mm-hmm, how, could that, how could that possibly, what that says is there are millions of people in this country who buy into all of the, all of the racist, misogynist, I mean, there are so many antis that are frightening, and that's why we have to mobilize to blunt and block it. And quite frankly, it is poetic, ironic justice that it is the rejected stones. We as African Americans, almost more than anyone else, joining with Native Americans and other people who have been have been marginalized. Who actually will rescue this nation uh, and 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 make it the more perfect union that has never ever been
0: once again? Yeah, Mike Johnson being speaker is really all you have to look to. Uh, you don't even have to look to now to the presidential race. The fact that somebody who literally denied the election is now the speaker of the House of Representatives speaks volumes. We're talking with Doctor Ron, uh, Ron Daniels. We got a lot to talk about. KBLA Talk fifteen eighty.
2: She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique deprima when we come forward. Your ancestor's favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique deprima right now. Right now.
0: Right now, getting back to uh, Dr. Ron Daniels. The uh, National African American Reparations Commission uh, is one of the organizations he helped co found along with the Institute of the Black World, of which he is president, radio host, and commentator. Um, so, so many questions here. I don't think a speed round is going to work. Uh, so, we'll just have to continue the conversation. But we talk about, you know, all of these organizations coming together and the momentum behind reparations and truly the move. From being a, a a fringe issue to being right in the mainstream of American politics happened much quicker than I certainly thought it ever would. But um, what I, I see a lot of division within the space of reparations, where uh, people that are, like yourself who have been working on it for decades are in conflict with uh, young folks who are uh, you know organizing around whether it be you know Freedmen or Eidos or all of these different. Um, youth organizations, younger organizations that are you know making a lot of um, headway in their own spaces, certainly in bringing the conversation to the forefront. Uh, how do we how do we find you know at least our operational unity?
1: Well, first of all, um, the 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 organizations there there is largely unity in and the reparations movement. What you do have are uh, relatively new folks who come on board, and and frankly, I think that's good. I appreciate the energy. I don't appreciate, frankly, uh, the, the the tactics that are often used because the, the vilification, the kind of nastiness that has come with um, uh, the pre- uh, persons who uh, were associated with uh, adios. Uh, is is not to be commended the issues they raise are legitimate issues. The issue of lineage. the issue is who should get reparations and in what form is a legitimate debate uh, and should be brought to the table uh, and I think that energy is incredibly important, but they by no means represent they are extremely loud voice. Or a voice that is that is focused on one specific narrow way of interpreting reparations, and they have been i mean so they 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 take over a meeting you know i mean it, it, I have an axiom an unorganized minority can also always be defeated by an on, an unorganized or, majority so they have but they have focused on and so therefore they 've been successful, particularly using social media and whatever, in getting a certain language out there about. Uh, the the, uh, the American descendants uh, of uh, of slavery. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, what we say uh, within Anarch and most of the organizations are fully on board with this is that we we advocate for comprehensive reparations. And by that and by that we mean, lynching is of course important in that we obviously want reparations for enslavement, but reparations are by definition for much more than that. It is for all the things that we talked about earlier today. It is for uh, all of the racially exclusionary policies that have been targeted against black people right up to the present. And that includes the the Homestead Act, the GI Bill, FHA, redlining, uh, police terror and violence in terms of the war on drugs right up to the present. So the question is, why would we leave anything on the table, number one? Secondly, you, this this is a kind of anti nativist uh, string to it. Well, the, those Africans are taking our reparations. Are them people coming from the Caribbean? And so, yeah. So Malcolm X is coming from the Caribbean. Kwame Thuray is coming. Shirley, Shirley Chisholm's ancestors are coming. We're going to deny them. Harry repar I mean, of course, that isn't on the face of it, this really not, does not make sense. So it's a kind of well-meaning, uh, to put it um, most generously, of uh, impulse and or strategy or, or ideology, if you will. But it is it is, it is restrictive, uh, and I think most people, once they examine it for what it is, agree with NARC and the Urban League, the NAACP and COBRA. You go on and on, Reparations United, on and on and on and on who favor comprehensive reparations to get it all. We're not leaving anything on the table in terms of the crimes and injuries inflicted upon our people.
0: I mean, I, I think, you know, it doesn't make any sense to leave anything on the table, but I also think that there's peril um, for, you know, veteran activists and, and elders in being dismissive of uh, young activists or you know, uh, wholesale critical of their tactics. I, I mean, I saw that with, you know, Black Lives Matter when they first came out where church leaders were like, well, they're too disruptive, but they're going to do it their way. And and we're going to do it our way. And everybody has a role to play. I will address that. And I, I mean, and, and also what you think folks ought to be doing if they really want to move the ball when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580
2: part out loud kbla talk 1580 some people will. at kbla talk 1580 we do more than just talk hello joe you're up welcome we're unapologetically progressive and we don't black down
0: we don't black down. Okay, thank you, Maslow. Uh, you know what, Dr. Um, Daniels, I asked you a couple questions before uh, we hit uh, break, but a bunch of people are calling. So I'm going to try to squeeze in these calls, and then hopefully you can squeeze in my question. Amin from L.A., can you give me the short version?
1: Yeah, real fast. Uh, I, I, I just came in on the tip end. You're talking about a Trina Brown or something or a piece or a book or something that she wrote. Uh, about Traces Traces of the Trade. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'd like to know a little bit more about the struggle of Caucasian people to educate each other. I was wondering if you had. Okay, thanks,
0: had Amin. Uh, can you address that, Dr. Daniels?
1: If you go to the website, IBW21.org, I've been a poor organizer. I should have said that several times. Go to IBW21.org and go to the Reparations Resource Center. We have the most extensive online Reparations Resource Center in the world. Look up the Fund for Reparations Now, Fund for Reparations Now. They are incredible white allies who are working on the struggle and educating, and have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to support NARC's ten-point program. And by the way, you can find the ten-point program of the National African American Reparations Commission on the website ibw21.org.
0: Thank you, Amin. Going to someone you know, Akili. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Ron. How you doing? And welcome to KBLA, uh, Ron. I, I did, and I didn't give
2: you. I didn't hear you give out the IBW. Uh, Website, so I wanted to encourage you to do that. Um, but how do you see moving forward uh, with H with HR forty?
1: I know that there's been a push to see if we can get an executive order on that. Uh, what, do you, what is the status on that, and what's happening?
0: Kind of talked about that, but let's do the Cliff's Notes version, Doctor Daniels.
1: Well, one of the things we need is we we're trying to enlist literally the support of Black Lives Matter uh, movement for Black Lives younger organizers to take the next step, actually. To to in their since they are critical to the re-election of of Biden, we're asking them really to step forward and and to outline what they think is the next step forward. Literally, that's the source of a call we get ready to do at noon.
0: IBEW21.org, Achille, I'll say it again. <laughs> IBEW21.org. Dr. Daniels, you want to close us out? What ought we be doing? And uh, if you want to address, if well, you have time to, to address to one my question questions yeah.
1: that, you, that, that you, you mentioned, I'm a strong proponent of, of Operation of Unity. I mean, we, that's what we practice and in Institute of the Black World, 21st Century, we say promoting collaboration to heal and empower black families, communities, and nations. So we're very much in favor of that. But there are rules of engagement. And one of the rules of engagement is that we must approach each other civilly uh, and not on the base. So it has had, had nothing to do with the ideology. It has to do with the, c- the civility. And if anybody who's experienced some of the sessions that ADOs have done, and they have gotten better. and that's uh, I mean, but uh, I'm but not
0: just talking about ADOS. There's lots of other similar yeah, but, organizations but we, but we, but that we, are younger. We,
1: yeah. we're in, well, we engage in people all the time. We have mm-hmm. all kind of young people came to the State of the Black World Conference. We have, uh, we're, have. we in fact, outreaching to young people all the time. and We do not have that problem with anybody. In fact, the reputation we bring to the table is always working across uh, cross generations, always. So people are welcome to join. Uh, in fact, uh, that's essential that we not only share the torch but pass the torch. So that is not an issue uh, with NARC nor with the Institute of the Black World 21st Century ever.
0: And uh, just you got a minute here. What should folks be doing if they really want to move the ball on reparations? Well, what,
1: well, what they should be moving they should be bombarding the White House saying to uh Biden pass the pass the HR commi- uh, sign the HR forty commission by executive order. Uh it's EO hashtag EO, hashtag E. O. forty. Hashtag EO forty is the social media handle. Uh push the White House to move this by executive order. And we're gonna get it done.
0: So I mean, you know, calls, emails. The, there's a thing you can do on the website where you can
1: all of that. Yeah. all of that. We need we need an avalanche, and it's difficult in this moment, of course, because there is a a focus, you know, on in a, on a very very critical crisis uh, that we could also spend hours on talking about, yeah. and that is the the conflict in the, in, the, in the Middle East and the imbalance that is uh, uh, that the U.S. is taking. But that's a whole nother. A conversation, but, uh, but I, I I am honored and pleased that we have been the conscience, being black people and people of color, have been the conscience pushing for equitable treatment of folk and not just uh, a one sided imbalance uh, in these critical crises. And it's so good to have been on with you, Dominique. I've loved it.
0: Well, I appreciate you joining us this morning. Hopefully, you'll do it again. It's been my honor to talk with you as well. Um, and so. Yeah, we'll we'll have to be bugging you to come back one more time or or several more times. Dr. Ron Daniels, much appreciation.
1: Back to you,